Welcome to the Bluegrass Bammer podcast. I'm Stephanie Boyd, your host. In case you didn't know, Bammer stands for Badass Mother Runner. This podcast will bring you stories from across Kentucky and beyond about badass women running and the people that support them. Let's get started. Hey listeners, it's Stephanie here with a quick note before we start this podcast episode. I want you to know we jump in pretty quickly about a serious topic, which is suicide. Please note that this episode does discuss suicidal ideas and thoughts and may not be suitable for all audiences. If you or someone you know is struggling with thoughts of suicide, please know help is available. You can dial 988, the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Speak with someone today. Take care, everyone. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Bluegrass Bammer podcast. I am Stephanie Boyd, your host, and today I have with me the wonderful, beautiful Julie White. Julie, I feel like this is the first time I've seen you in a while. I saw you in passing at a group run not very long ago, but we didn't run together. So I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Very glad to be here. So I think I told you this before the show, but I didn't do my research at all because I feel like I know you really well and didn't look back to see how long we've known each other. So I feel like I should know that, but um, it's been at least since 2016, I think since I really got to know, like first started running with you through the running group. So I want to say it's been that long seven years does that sound right is that right math it's got to be in that neighborhood because I know that (laughs) like MRTT Louisville started up and I had had Benny and I remember calling Marion Potter and telling her that I was so depressed because I just had a baby and I was so slow and I was just so my running Mm -hmm. you know but so it was it had to been shortly after whatever 2014 so yeah yeah yeah, and I remember when I met you, um, which was, I think, on a run with Marion, I was like, this woman has, like, so much energy. That was just the first thing I remember when I met you is that I was like, holy crap, she ran and she was able to, like, tell stories, like, the whole time and just had so much energy. And I was like, how does she do that? Because I was pretty new to running at that time. So I was just, like, struggling to run and, like, keep up with everybody and not chit-chat. And now I know the secret sauce to, you know running and telling your whole life story to somebody in an hour but back then I didn't know any of that because I wasn't used to running with people so that was my first impression of you it was like this woman is a ball of energy so I don't think that that's changed (laughs) I think you're right exactly where I was then yes no I (laughs) I would agree with that um so tell me you know we kind of usually start by talking about your running journey on this podcast because we have um, lots of um, guests that come on the show and some have been running since they were very young and then some been, some people didn't pick up running until later on in their life as an adult maybe like as a way to lose weight or you know they've had a baby and they're out of shape and they want to get back into shape so tell me kind of what your first memories of running are you know when do you remember first running or when did you decide that you were going to start running if you if it was later on in life tell us a little bit about when that started so I, jump right into it. 
I was never athletic ever. I um was the girl that faked a period to get out of running the mile in high school. I mean, seriously, like was not like would never have ever considered running as an activity that I would enjoy. But um, I was in my mid-20s. I had lived in Louisville for a couple of years. I grew up in Chicago, but I had lived in Louisville for a couple of years. I was working nights and I was, things had gotten pretty isolated for me where I just wasn't, I would see people at work, but I mean, working nights is kind of an odd thing. Like you, you spend a lot of time on your own because your schedule is so opposite of everybody else, you know, mm-hmm. and I started going through some, some really kind of like having some things that happened from my childhood kind of like crop up. I was a child of an alcoholic and I realized that I wasn't having like meaningful relationships with people because I would destroy them. And when I realized that, um, I basically, I, I was, I was suicidal. I was feeling really, really bad. And, um, I mean, I had like, it was down to the, like, pick a day, pick a way. And luckily I was so blessed that, and I mean, I'm going to send the shout out to UPS because you guys know how I feel about UPS, but, (laughs) um, at the time, like we were light years ahead in offering mental help and mental health, Mm. like when you focus on mental health. I called the 1-800 number on the back of my ID and got a therapist and, um, and then I went and bought a treadmill because at the same time, or was this recommended by your therapist? Almost like within the same couple of weeks, I was like, I'm going to buy a treadmill. And so every day I would put on, it was really funny because on the cable, you know, on cable, you would have those like radio channels and I would put on lose yourself every single day by Eminem and I would cry and run miles like every day. And I wasn't, I never felt like I was good at it or even mattered that I was really running, but it was the one thing that made me feel better. Like I would get done, I would leave it all on the treadmill and then I would start my day. And that became um, a new habit for me and the habit stuck. And I had no desire whatsoever to make it go any further. I was totally fine to do my miles on my treadmill. I hauled mm-hmm. that treadmill around with me for years and years and years. In fact, I'm pretty sure somebody in our group has that treadmill. Has it? So mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah. now, what year was that that you got the treadmill? Like, when did you just buy that? It was 25. So that would have been t- 2000. Okay. So a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So you're like on your 25th anniversary. Yeah. Basically. This is a big year. It's a big year. <laughs> this yeah. is a big year for you. I yeah. don't know if that was like in your subconscious somewhere when you no. decided to plan out 2023 or something, no. but you're getting close to that um, no, no, no. anniversary. So, <laughs> right. Well, so you, you obviously use running as therapy, which, you know, we say that in like, I, it's so interesting now that you say that because that, that many years ago, mental health just wasn't something that people talked about like they do now in terms of taking care of yourself and therapy was kind of seen maybe as something you didn't tell everybody you were doing um and now that I work for um psych mental health nurse practitioners I mean we talk about it all day long you know at work and it just seems like it's more of the norm for people to at least talk about it if they're not if they don't know that they need to seek help but we've had other guests on the podcast who have shared some stories similar to yours in terms of whether they were battling um, depression from another type of situation or had disordered eating because of things that had happened to them when they were younger. And running was one of those ways that they were, at least it was something they felt like they had a little bit of control over one and two, because they could pick when they ran, how far they ran, 
you know, um, and where they were, where they were running. And then two, all of those feel good things that you get from running, you know, the endorphins and, and all of that really helped boost their mental health. Um, and so I know we talked a little bit off, off of the recording before we started recording, but you know, you were like, well, I don't want to go to, I don't want this to get too dark. I don't want this podcast to get too dark, but I think it's when we have these conversations like this about it, I think it's helpful for other people. And you said it so well before I turned, turned on the recording, um, that it's, it's important for other people to know that people do struggle, that you've had struggles, that women like yourself have had struggles or maybe going through something right now and that running, um, is a good way you know, is is one of those pieces of the puzzle to kind of help you become healthier. Um, and so, I don't know, you said it so much better than I did though. I don't even remember how you said I feel it. Like, I feel like people have, it's always been like that not talked about thing. And mm-hmm. like for me, transparency is everything when it comes to my journey with it. Um, it's really, it's interesting because normally like you will find that people who have grown up with alcoholism tend to find each other and Mm -hmm. if they are in the journey or through you know like have you know kind of gotten to the other side or even at the beginning of it we there's a language spoken we understand each other's anxieties and fears and and it may not even be like you know the the whole child of an alcoholic piece but just really a dysfunctional life Mm -hmm. childhood Mm -hmm. whatever um you just and for me I feel like it's one of those things where I I like, especially when we're out running, a lot of times you will have these vulnerable moments with other women and how important it is to say like, so yeah, I'm happy and excitable and crazy. Well, I'm in my, I'm in my best self when I'm with running, you know, like when I'm with our groups, I mean, like, that's like, but you know, I too struggle with these things and running is part of that, you know, part of the puzzle piece that you know, makes me, um, a better person, a better mom, a better, Mm -hmm. you know, and really feel healthier, Mm -hmm. like not just physically, but it's emotionally healthier. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So let's back up and go back to your, your talk about your treadmill. So at some point, spoiler alert to everyone listening, you got off your treadmill and you started running outside. Um, and so tell me about that transition and when did you decide to sign up for your first race? Do you remember that? And can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. So the treadmill, me and the treadmill were really good friends for like <laughs> 10 years. Like I was deathly afraid to run outside. Like I, like when I say death, I was, I was always very much a fraidy cat. I didn't try new things. I was very like, which is, it's hard. I think sometimes for people to I can't believe that. But I was, I was very like, I was just always scared of everything. And so, um, something happened. It was, I was 35. So that would have been 2010. Um, we come into 2010, like KDF starts sending their emails out. And I don't even know who was emails back then. I just know that there was, (laughs) there was some posters up at the coffee shop. That's what there was in 2010. But I just, I've never run more than five miles in my whole life. And it's only ever been on a treadmill, but I'm going to run the mini. Like, I'm going to do this. And like my sister, it was hysterical because she was like my big support system. She does not run, but she was like, you know what? That sounds like a good goal. Sounds great. Uh-huh. And so the other thing, so I'll tell you the, the other thing that's really interesting about this is that um, I also had an issue with not finishing things. I would say I was going to do something and then I would back out at the last minute. Again, fear, fear was mm-hmm. always 
fear of disappointment, fear of it not being good enough, fear all the time. So mm-hmm. this was a big thing. So I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to finish this. I'm going to do this. I'm really going to commit to this. I'm going to show up to this race. I'm going to do this in my crappy, whatever Nikes that I bought from some random store, because who even knew about running stores? <laughs> um, and these, these horrible clothes that did not wick sweat. And, but, um, so I started a training plan. I'm like, okay, I'm going to run outside. And the whole time I'm just losing my mind about running outside, like just nerve wracked. I'm going to get stolen. There's it's white vans. I mean, you name it, but I'm going to do, I just kept doing it. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this couple runs. Yeah. You want to know the, how many miles was the first, the total amount of miles I ran was like the longest or the longest run I ever did was seven miles before I did this mini. And then all of a sudden I put the brakes on. I literally was like, just started backing up like I would normally do. And I remember my sister saying to me, she's like, if you do not finish this, you're never going to forgive yourself. And so I showed up to the KDF in my not wicking clothes and in my crappy Nikes. (laughs) And I did that race. And I actually, when I think about my time, I mean, I was like, I did it. I think it was a 235. So I was like, you know? Yeah. And it was the, it was the hardest thing I ever did. But once, once they put that medal around my neck and I, I don't know that I never looked back. Mm -hmm. It was the most, and it was a pivotal moment for me, not just with running, but with everything else, because I was like, look, I can do it. I can commit to something and finish it. And it's Mm -hmm. not work related. And it's not, it's like in my personal life, I can commit to something and I can finish it. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I fell in love with racing. I fell in love with healing. I love that because the KDF half was my first. And I was, I remember being scared too, but I was running outside and I ran more than seven miles for my longest run. So I'd say you had a few more (laughs) obstacles mentally to overcome than I did in that sense. But yeah, I think once you, once you crossed the finish line and you got your medal, did you start thinking about wanting to do another race or were you just like, okay, running is a part of, I did that and running is a part of my life and I'll keep running on the treadmill, but I'm not going to probably do another half marathon. So I, it was probably like another, so KDF, we ran that in May, right. Or April, April-ish, April ish, mm-hmm, April. Um, the following year, I decided I was going to do the Papa Johnston Miler and KDF. Mm. So I did both. And then I loved, I mean, the 10 miler, I just loved it. It was the old course through um, Iroquois. I just yeah. loved it. Everybody um, loves that course. I had like, and that was a, like, so that year was really interesting because I met my husband, my now husband. I met him in that year. Um, I made a huge jump at work. There was like a lot of things. So it was almost like finishing KDF. It sounds really cheesy, but finishing KDF really like, like it, it springboarded mm-hmm. a lot of other successes. And I really mm-hmm. do. I, I think it's just because I learned how to finish. I learned how to complete something. I learned, you know, like I, I learned how to like, look at my fear and be like, um, I don't care how scared we're doing, you know, we're going to do this together, mm-hmm. you, and me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, as if I have more than one person living in me. Right. Yeah. It kind of just catapulted you forward. Like yeah. you couldn't stop yourself at that point. It was no you're on a path at that point. So that year I did Papa John's and the KDF, which had a blast. And then, um, my husband and I got married in September and I literally got pregnant like 10 seconds later. And then, (laughs) yeah, it was like, totally, it was way faster than we thought it was going to be. Yeah. 
Um, but then, so at this point I'm like, you know, 35, 36. And so I knew I, you know, we knew we wanted to have kids and we knew that we needed to do that relatively quickly. So mm -hmm. we had Amelia, I ran until I was about six months pregnant with her and then I didn't feel comfortable anymore. Mm -hmm. And then, um, came out of having her, did I do my first marathon I don't remember but it was like basically like I had my kids 20 months apart and tried to keep running ish like through mm -hmm. it as much as I could as much as mm -hmm. I can handle it between working full-time and you know everything else so. right right oh and but I met Marion that was the thing that was so crazy so Marion Potter Marion Salmon Marion Potter she yeah. had started MRTT and she and I met how did you meet her we met on the what to expect when you're expecting app. We were both pregnant with the girls with Ivy and Amelia. And so she, I found out she lived three blocks away from my house. Uh -huh. And so we started running together. And then she started the running group while I was pregnant with Benny. So as soon as I got finished having Benny, um, I started joining in all the group runs and doing all the things. And it, it was literally like, that was I never, I have, I mean, like, I don't, there's not been a period I have not run in mm -hmm. since that time. So that's, you know, nine years ago. Did you run with strollers with the kids? Mm -hmm. I don't remember that. Yeah. But the, the girls, so she was done having, so she had had Ivy and then she was finished. And then I went ahead and got pregnant with Benny. And so, um, by that point, like for a lot, like Carlton knew how my husband knew how important it was for me to get out at least once a week with the groups mm -hmm. and not have the kids with like, so, mm -hmm. you know, it was, it would usually be those early morning runs that I would be able to just not be a mom or a UPS or a wife or a, you know, so I could just mm -hmm. get out and, you know, hang out with other women, other moms, other non-moms, other dog moms, other whatever, just women. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, kind of get, you know, keep my own identity, which has always been really what running is for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So your, um, so your husband, so he is, um, kind of, I feel like been the same level of support the whole time you've been running. And we're going to talk about how, why that's important for this year in <laughs> just a minute. But, um, when you, does, is he a runner or what does he think about your running? Like, what does he is, is he like, Julie, are you ever going to stop running or does he love it that you do all this stuff or how, what is his, or does he just like, oh, mom's gone another run. We're going to go do something else until she gets home. Like, does he separate the things and doesn't he, really live in the running world where you live? He's always been super supportive. That has never waned throughout all the things, all the, um, he is not a runner. He says, if he's running, you should be running too. Cause there's probably danger. <laughs> um, he tried a couple times. He ends up with like plantar fasciitis and like, just, it, it's just like a needling, but he does, he like, he actually does a lot of hiking. Um, so it's just something different. He loves to be out in the woods and you know, whatever, like, um, but no, he, his whole thing is that he can tell if I'm starting to get amped up or anxious or whatever. He's like, have you, have you been for a run lately? And you know, like, or he'll notice if things are, you know I mean? Like he'll notice if I've not been because it's it's a it is so so tied to my mental health that you know and mm -hmm. he also knows like honestly during covid that was the only way i could leave the house like i'd leave the house to run yeah. because i just needed to get some space yeah and be outside and not worry about all the things so yeah and your kids so i mean obviously they're 
this is just a part of your all's life is you're running. What did they, what did they think about it? And do you talk, did they talk to you about it? And do they have questions about it? Or are they curious? Or they're just like, whatever, mom's going for a run and we're going to do something else till she gets back. Yeah. It's just part of the norm. Yeah. For them. They're, it's like, yeah. they don't really, um, this year with the race trips, my daughter, so Amelia has gotten, she's like, okay, like, this is a lot. Like we've, you know, you've been gone a lot and, you know, yeah. it's, I'm usually, uh, very tied to her sanity. She is just turned 11. And so she's cruising into, um, hormones and puberty and all the things. And so, I've had to really kind of, you know, like adjust my schedule. Um, I have always had a treadmill, uh, the way that I have managed to not really like cause issues, like not even cause issues. It's not even cause issues. The way that I have not disrupted my home life is that at any given point I can get down on my treadmill if I need to. So the kids are fine. The husband can still leave, you know, that's my space and it's down there if I need it you know, like do what I prefer to be outside. Yes. But one of these, it's the, it's the flexibility with not having to deal with weather and, you know, you know, whether or not I worked in the office that day or, you know, just all the, it's just, I can plug it in somewhere if need be. And that's that's really like how I've kept the consistency is understanding that I have that flexibility if I need it. It's interesting how creative we can get when we need to get the run in, you know, I mean, I don't like to run on a treadmill. I have one here in the office, but by golly, if it's the only way that I'm going to get to run that day, (laughs) I'm going to get on it at some point. And you're right. It's going to be like when the kids are, you know, doing homework or, you know, don't need me. And as they get older, they, they need me quote unquote less, but you know, you don't, you don't want to be like, I can't help you with that right now. I'm going to got to go get my run done. So it probably is pretty, you probably feel pretty supported though with your kids always seeing you run and know it's part of your life. Then if like all of a sudden this year, you just decided, decided to go on running trips and you've never done it before. The kids would probably be a little more shell-shocked. So, but yeah, they, they don't know any different. Yeah. Yeah. And I you have- could be growing a crew a running crew this way also I think about that 20, with my kids too it's 20, <laughs> 2024 there's already out we'll get into that later again mm-hmm. yeah well you just said Amelia something about running trips and you know she might eventually be like can I get in on one of these trips mom uh-huh. yeah I can uh-huh. totally see that happening that'd yeah. be cool <laughs> so Without jumping right into this year and what you're doing, I want to ease us into it because I don't want to shock anyone that's listening. But I mean, obviously you, you've, you know, you started running, you've got a few races under your belt. And then probably at some point, I mean, I know you've done some marathons and those were fun. And you said you weren't going to do those anymore. But then at some point, I remember there was a group of us that started training for the Kentucky Trail Ragnar here in Kentucky it was a big group of us that were doing it and we we went on like a demo run and Ragnar was there and they set up a tent and we went to Otter Creek and they were like okay you're gonna run part of this trail and just see what the race course is like and I don't know they probably had like salmon shoes to like test out or what I don't remember all of it but anyway we went and I was pretty new to trail running. Marion was the one that got me into trail running and I was still pretty new to it. 
And I remember you coming and I swear, Julie, we were out, we had been running, like we were probably on the trail for over a half a mile. And you're like, this is my first trail run. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> I was like, what? Right there. I had never done trails. No. I was like, are you kidding me? Cause like we were supposed to run like five miles or something that day, which we all know trail miles feel longer than road miles, you know? And so I'm just like, holy crap. And I think Jill and a couple other people were there too. And they were like, this is her first trail run. Like we had just assumed you'd been running trails. I don't, I don't know where we assumed you'd been running them, but we didn't know this was your first trail run and you did amazing. Like you did, you weren't sure about it. You weren't sure how you felt about it. I remember, (laughs) but you did great. And then all of a sudden we turn around, you're at a Ragnar. And then I feel like it kind of went somewhere different after Kentucky Trail Ragnar. So you tell me, kind of tell the listeners how you got into trail running and, you know, Ragnar itself, because that's really what I'm here to listen about is Ragnar. So tell so us how you got that into was, this. That was 2017. I was scared out of my mind. The only time we did that demo run, that was the only time I had ever been on trails. I did not run trails again until we did Ragnar. The night run scared me. Like I cannot even, I was convinced that something was going to eat me. Something was chasing me. I mean, it was like, it was at that point and I had already done two marathons at like, I, it was the hardest thing I had ever done. Actually, yeah. no, I was in the process of training for Chicago. That's right. I had done yeah. one marathon. So I was training for my second marathon. And I still said that Ragnar to Kentucky Trail was the hardest thing I ever did. Those people that are listening that don't know about Ragnar, I'll put in the show notes Okay. what, what Ragnar is. So we don't have to like tell the whole thing. But essentially, it's known, they're known for their trail running. And it's a relay style trail race and it's a 24 hour race. And someone on your team is always running a leg during that 24 hours. So you're assigned three legs and you, they're spaced out, you know, you're not running the back to back. So you're in a numbered order on your team. So if you're, if you're running number one, you're the first leg and then everyone else goes and then it comes back to you runner one again, and you do the second leg and so forth and the legs rotate and you don't sleep depending on where you are, you're camping and sometimes you're glamping, but it's a, it's a whole lifestyle. And the year that we did it, we had no clue. Like we took all this camping crap. We took food for like 700 people. We had 75 tents because at Kentucky Ragnar, you could just take whatever you wanted and throw it everywhere. There were no rules. I feel like this was early on in the Ragnar kind of life on this side of the country. And we didn't know what we were doing. We had no clue. I mean, thank God we had some women in the group who did enjoy sleeping outside in tents and had camping gear, but Ragnar is this whole lifestyle. And if you don't have never heard about it, I'll put the link in the show notes so that Julie doesn't have to tell you everything, but there are some unspoken rules about Ragnar and they're all over the United States. And uh, there are some people that like to go run every race that they can in the United States. And it's, it's just a whole, it's a whole thing. So we did go to Kentucky and we survived somehow. I didn't fall that Ragnar. Um, but it was scary. I hadn't, we had practiced running trails twice in the dark before that race. And I was scared of falling lately, but I don't know. I mean, you didn't seem scared. I was a wreck. 
I was a total wreck. And what's really funny about Was this, everybody else scared or was it just I me think, and you? No, I think everybody was scared. Okay, like, good. We talked to everybody about, about their, yeah, because this was like, I mean, what do we have? 80 women at least. It was a like, hundred. It was over a hundred. A hundred women. And then we had some mixed teams. Obviously we had some yeah. people, extra people yeah. there, but I mean, none of us had ever done anything like this except no. Mary. That was no. it. Like everybody else, like this was all brand new. And, and, you know, for people who have been out on trails, like Otter Creek is not for the faint of heart. Otter Creek is, is, is challenging. Is it to the level of JMF? No, no. but it's more than Cherokee. You know what I mean? Correct. Like, you know, so, um, but the, so the thing was, was that I was like, oh, I'm a one and done. I'm never doing that again. Like I was like, nope, I don't like trails. Trails, trails are scary. And it really was the fear of falling. It's the fear Mm -hmm. of tripping because if you fall, you're falling on like rocks and sticks and roots Mm -hmm. and things that can injure you. If you're on the road, I mean, like, what's the worst you're going to do? Get a little road. Break a bone maybe. I mean, I mean, like, it's nothing like, you know, hitting your face on a branch, you know, or something getting impaled gored by yeah. a and then, know, stick or something still it's like the elevation and the climbing and the it there's just so much to it like mm-hmm. and it, it felt very insurmountable to me like it really felt like out so far outside my comfort zone and again you know as somebody who I had lived so much of her life dictated by fear you know like or dictated to by fear mm-hmm. you know this was like it was a big step for me to even just show up you know and then but I was done I was like okay I did this this is fine and then for like 16 wait no no that was so 17 18 19 20 19 I guess it would did you 19. do any other trail running no after that no no I, it, so. I, I started literally like so I, so somebody else threw a team together the following year. Maybe it was me. I might've even thrown a team together. I think I did. I think you did. I didn't I go did. back the next pretty year. Sure, I, was like, yeah, I'm done. Sure. I was like, you know what? I'll do a team, whatever. Still same deal. Show up too much camping equipment, so much fear, night running. Don't want to do it. So again, following year. So we go again, like 20. So we're into 2019 and, um, I get done with Kentucky trail and it's the first time after how many times of doing that where I actually felt accomplished. Like I did not feel like I was afraid. I felt still afraid, but less afraid and mm-hmm. more excited than afraid. So I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I got this, there was this Ragnar life Facebook page and you could just, I just like to follow everybody's Ragnar journeys. I didn't even know that there was other Ragnars, but I start seeing all these things. And this person just randomly says they needed, they need a runner for Michigan trail in Michigan in Grayling Michigan which is like about a seven hour drive from here (laughs) and so I send a message to the to the captain and I said I'm interested in your spot and she called me and I said and you know we talked and I was like okay I'm in and so I drove seven hours to Michigan to to run with a bunch of strangers who became some of the best running friends I've ever had in my life Mm -hmm. so Um, but I was so excited again about showing up to just be on a team of people. I did not know doing something unfamiliar in an unfamiliar place. And, you know, so, and then the bug, I got the bug. It was, it was done after that. This is amazing to me because for someone to go from the level of like, you're talking about of being fearful of lots of things and not finishing 
to have the level of, I don't know, the level of trust. Is that the word I'm looking for to just join a, a whole group of strangers and go to a trail you've never practiced running on and do this is like, you've gone from this place way over here, all the needles, like all the way over here at this point. So it's kind of mind blowing. So, you know, where the, you know, where there's, there's one piece that's missing from that equation. Mm-hmm. I was, in, I, I, I was in my forties and it's amazing. Oh, I told- now it makes more sense. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, now uh-huh. it makes more sense. <laughs> I, I like when I crossed into my forties because I, so my first marathon I did the year I turned 40. So it was like within a couple months of my 40th birthday. And then I did my second marathon and the deeper I got into my forties, the more fearless I got. And I remember a mentor at work saying to me that, you know, your forties are this like spectacular time. And she's like, if you think you feel great in your forties, she's like, you just, you wait, just, you wait till your fifties. She's like, because you know, you thought you had it all figured out in your forties. She's like, you will burn it down in your fifties. She's like, it is like, and so, and I really feel like that has stuck with me. Like, cause it truly is there is, there is a metamorphosis that happens. And I tell people this all the time about your forties, like, do not fear aging. Do not fear Mm -hmm. any of this. I mean, like, I promise you, I did not care when that, you know, four zero happened and I am facing the five zero and it is, I do not care. I have never felt so good or so self-confident, so self-aware and Mm -hmm. I would not trade it for anything. I'll take all the wrinkles. I'll take all the extra muffin top crap that happens in your forties <laughs> to just feel this way. Yeah, that's that's funny. That's you know, it's one of those things where we I was talking to somebody else and it wasn't about running, it was just about like what well it was about running. We were talking about in our twenties, what if we had known about like ultra running or trail running when we were in our twenties? We I didn't we didn't know anybody that ran long distances women you know, when we were in our twenties and we felt like, so worried about what people would think about us in our twenties. And we wanted to like do what everyone else was doing when we were in our twenties. And so unless you were exposed to that, you wouldn't ever think to do it. And then in my thirties, quite frankly, were some of the best parts of my life, but also some of the like toughest parts of my life, because my whole life changed when I had kids, which was my choice but like just blindly getting through those years of like having little children and and not having yourself whole because you're constantly giving to somebody else, like to nourish them, you know, like, yeah. And and make sure they don't fall down the steps and break their neck and stuff like that and not sleeping. So they were great years, but they were also so, so hard and not carefree, like my twenties and kind of like, trying to figure out what I'm, who I am and what I'm doing. And then I get in my forties, my kids are older, they're more independent. And I learn I can do all of these things. And I'm in this running group where these people are like, yes, you can do that. Like no one's questioning. Can you do that? Everyone's like, sure, you can do that if you want to do it. Like, and I just happen to be in this group of women and we kind of live like in this little bitty bubble with, with she runs this town where we get into this thing when we get out into real life, like no one knows what we're talking about when we start talking about our long run on Saturday or training for dopey or like whatever people in everyday world have no idea what we're talking about because we live in this bubble where we think all other women our age are doing what we're doing and you just feel so confident and 
supported. Like I wish that had I had that group in my twenties. I know because you know, like you just don't. But I, I just don't think I any think women are ready for that yeah. in their twenties. <laughs> I think it's the I think it takes us that long to figure out that we are so much stronger together and we yeah. do There's a lot of things that happen as we grow up and when, you know, that, that kind of divide us, yeah. but it's the, you would not trade. And it, you, when you think about it, honestly, from a, you know, sociological perspective, you know, when they say the whole, it takes a village, when you think about, you know, when, when back in the day when we were nomadic and living in tribes and all the women raised all the kids, all mm-hmm. the women were together doing all the things. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, our spirits, you know, we may have changed or, you know, quote unquote evolved, but our spirits still require that camaraderie. Mm -hmm. We still, because sure, you know, we love men. Sometimes we love men. Sometimes we don't love men, but either way, like, however, you know, like your relationship is with the, with whoever you choose to partner with Mm -hmm. camaraderie, we're the ones who understand each other. At the end of the day, we understand each other. There's a lot of times they don't understand us. And, and I feel like it's easier for us to understand ourselves when we, you know, like when we're around each other, because then Mm -hmm. it's more okay. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, maybe today I feel crazy. You know what? I feel crazy too. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you don't, and you can just be yourself and there's none of this like self-doubt because people are constantly telling you, at least in the group anyway. Yeah that you're enough, that you're valid and that you're doing amazing things. Like where else do you get that kind of cheer? And you announced you're going to go do the pistol ultra and everybody's like, sure, I'll do it too. You know what I mean? It's not just just somebody standing there supporting you. It's somebody who's like, all right, I'm going to warm the car up. You get your bag packed. We're on our way. You get your camper. Let's go. Like it's, it's a, it's, it's a whole thing. And I think that that, that is like a, it's the, the reality of that is like, so you're, it's almost overwhelming because like you can throw something out in the universe that seems completely outlandish and this other person's like sure you can swim in the sh- in the ocean with sharks absolutely yes. in fact i will crew you i will kayak next to you and feed the meat while you do that swimming that's right that's right that's there's someone always someone in there that has your back like no matter yeah. what you're totally right and totally yeah. believes in you never doubts you once I tell people all the time do not run with me if you do not want me to encourage you to do the thing that you were scared to do because I promise you I'll be like I will be there I will cheer you on like I will never tell you you can't do something that's right actually I won't let you back out of it either no, so no. you nope. know you're kind of stuck no nope, because we finish things that's what we do that's what that's what we're committed once we even talk about it, once it's spoken, we're committed. So yeah. just a warning for anyone that runs with Julie and I, you may come home with some really ideas you'd never thought about before you run with us. So <laughs> just warning. We should come with warning labels, maybe. So so you did Ragnar in Michigan. I and I Michigan. remember you telling me you really, really liked that race. Loved it. And then you were done, right? Uh, it was like a month later. A month later, and one of the ones from Michigan sends me a text message that they have something, they have a spot open on their Hood to Coast team. And again, I'm going to get in a van with a group of strangers. So I fly to Portland and I get mm-hmm. in a van with a group of strangers and have the time of my life. And I basically have just bounced from relay to relay ever since. Like that was and stayed friends like you know I mean obviously through COVID yeah. and everything, 
that, you know, things shut down. Um, I think the thing that was really wild was that like, so shortly, so that was coming out of COVID. I'm trying to think of how that, what order that, yeah. So that was coming out of COVID. That was like 2021, right? Yeah. So we did Kentucky Ragnar, which was the first Ragnar that was allowed to be held. We had to wear masks in the village. It was like, you know, outside. Like yeah. Outside. Wow. You know, yeah. That was basically the, the state of Kentucky said we could do it, but we had to agree to these rules and we did it. We followed them. Oh my gosh. And then I did Michigan and then I did Hood to Coast. And it was like, mm-hmm. after that, it was like, I just, now it's terrible because I'll have somebody just send me a text message and be like, Hey, I was looking at SoCal, like Southern California. I'm like, in like, what's the dates? What, yeah. what and you have this in? core group you have like yeah. this core group there yeah. right built in so it's kind of like srtt but it's a ragnar like this core group of it people is. that yeah you've become friends with and do all of these things with and so i'm in the ragnar life page too and see all of these things going on and i i daydream sometimes about doing more than one a year but i don't i always said i wasn't going to do any after kentucky um and that's one of those never things you'd never say never and, um, but I, I know that there's a special group of people that get, try to get immortal status. So tell us what that is and ha- like, what is that about? Just, I need to know more. Cause I've just heard a little bit about it. So, so I found out about somebody had mentioned, I saw this giant, beautiful, amazing looking metal. And I don't, I'm going to say that that was probably 21, 20 or 21 probably 20. It was a beautiful, but it might even be been, been pre-COVID. And I'm like, what is this immortal thing? Mm-hmm. So immortal for Ragnar is 12 Ragnars in 12 in the calendar year, basically. So like within 2023, you have to complete 12 Ragnars and you become immortal. It is a ginormous medal. You never know what it looks like until they actually give it to you. Last year's medal looked like it was the Terminator. Um, it's usually, I think it's like eight by 10, if not bigger. I mean, it's a ridiculous metal. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so I told my husband last year at the end of last year that I, that this was a goal. It was on my mind. I had no idea why this became a goal. I, I don't even, I did not even understand why, because some people I run Ragnars with people all the time who are, have no desire whatsoever to ever do this, but for some mm-hmm. reason it stuck with me. So I come into um, 2023, actually it was the end of 2022. And my, two of my, my Ragnar friends that I usually run with, they're like, Hey, let's try to get into the Berlin marathon. And I'm like, I never said it. I was like, I'm never doing another marathon. I'm not going to do it. And, um, they're like, no, no wait, let's tell the listeners you had a shirt that you wore. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's this coming. No, no. Like okay. we made it with this one. Yeah. So okay. I thought that I was the last Chicago, time. Okay. Yeah, so after I did Chicago, I said, you know what? <laughs> Never. I, it's not that I don't mind mirror. It's like, it's the problem with marathoning is the training. It is intensive, intensive training. It's like a full-time job on top it of this job and it's daunting. And usually we end up doing it during the summer, which is even worse here. Worse. Yeah. But anyway, so long story short, we get into Berlin marathon, even though I swore up and down, there was no way we were ever getting in. We all got in. So, um, my husband says to me, can we just not do the immortal thing next year? Because you're going to do Berlin. We're going to Europe. This is going to be a lot. And I said, sure, we won't do it. And I really was totally fine with that. When you, when I saw you, I even asked you if you were going to do it last year and you were like, no, I'm doing, I'm going to put my name in for Berlin, whatever you said, no. 
I did. I put it. Yeah. I was like, nope, I'm not doing it. So, um, end up on a team of strangers with a couple friends in Southern California. That was the first Ragnar of the year. Um, and then I did hang on a second. I have a list. Where's my list? <laughs> like you need it written down. I, bounced, I, don't know how you you know, I bounced, I literally bounced from, so I had some that were planned and then I bounced to others. So I had no intention of doing Kentucky again. I said, I wasn't going to do it again. You know, like, and then somebody needed a runner at the last minute. I showed up on Friday morning and ran and, you know, camped overnight, whatever. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden I do the same thing with Ohio. And now like I get home from Ohio and I look at my husband and I'm like, so I'm already at five. And he's like, how many more do you have scheduled? And I said, three. And he goes, so if you don't finish it this year, you're going to have to start over next year. And I said, yeah, he goes, you need to just finish it. And I was like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah. And so I got online with, um, there's a woman with Ragnar that will help. There's women immortals that will help women go immortal. So you can end up on a team that is not going to fall apart at the last minute. That's going to make sure that you're taken care of in the whole process of going immortal. And so I immediately was on the phone to her and she hooked me up with like three more teams or four more teams. And then I was done. So it was so like, again, there's a theme of women taking care yeah. of women here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there, they, that was the most, it was, a, it was like, it's those- like an underground chain of like, you have to have a yeah. passcode and like a secret yeah. knock or something <laughs> to get in. But it's, I, what's wild is that like, you know, it's so, it's so great that we have that, you know, like that, that, that that's out there, you know what I mean? And I want to do the same thing. Like I want yeah. to you gotta pay it forward thing, now, you know, with other, yeah. And really like show people too, that, um, the amount of like, you know, one, the amount of fear I had to overcome to do everything that I have done up to this point, you know, right. was huge. But it has paid off in dividends of just honestly relationships and really mm-hmm. just every time I come home from a Ragnar, like my soul is full. Like it's, mm-hmm. it, it's because it's runners. When you are not running, you are hanging out with other runners who have families and who have priorities and different jobs. And you just, it's just that camaraderie of being around other people who are like-minded and who, you know, just there's it's it's so difficult to describe it's like a it's like the best cult honestly yeah like you want to be a part of this because it is just so moving yeah I've met some so several cool people that are Ragnar people that honestly if you saw them like at work or something you'd have no clue but it's like this special group Ragnarians are just like a special group of people I can't explain it I don't know that anybody could like have a formula for it but it's, you know, running is its own community of people. Trail running is its own like community of people. You know, we have these pockets of different types of runners, but people that do Ragnars are, they're super special and they're just so friendly and want to help because they want you, they love it so much and they want you to love it so much. Like, that's what I feel like whenever I meet somebody at a race, if we're having trouble getting a tent up or whatever, like there's four people you'd never met before. They're like, we'll come over and help. And then all of a sudden you're friends for the rest of the week. And you're friends for the rest of your life. That is like, and for the rest like, of your life. Yeah. Right. When they send me the email, cause when they see on your Ragnar profile that you're getting up there in the amount that you have scheduled. So like once I had like eight already without, mm-hmm. or they'll send you an, Ragnar sent you an email saying, we see that 
you're in this. Are you going immortal this year? Because they have to order, order the medals. Yeah. What they ask you is like, okay, so they ask you, um, where do you want to get your medal? Like, what is going to be your immortal race? Where do you want to get your medal? And then what would your most recent team say you're most likely to do? And so I sent it, I sent it around to like, a, like really just my core Ragnar friends and said, okay, if you were going to say this, like, what would it be? And they were like, uh, most likely to make a friend. I'm like, truth. Like, so Aww, I was love like, that. because I do, I come home from Ragnar's with new friends every time, like all the time. That's how I, well, you would crack up. Um, if, when I tell you this, you probably don't know this, but so there is, um, I'm in a group chat with, um, some of my friends some, and some of them are runners and some of them are, but I met them all through SRTT in some way. Because during the pandemic, that's how we would keep each other accountable, accountable during our runs. Like, and I didn't know three of these women at all, or two of these women at all, hardly at all. Like we weren't friends before this, but it was like, Hey, I'm going to go run today. You know, we were all running by ourselves at that point or whatever. And so we've just stayed friends since then. And we still have the chat. We don't use it as much because we can like see each other in person now if we want to. But honestly, there are Saturday, there's like Thursday mornings or Friday mornings where I'll get up and open Facebook and then I'll message them and be like, Julie's on her way to dinner. Da, da, da. <laughs> like we're tracking <laughs> what you're doing. And like, I'm opening Facebook just to go to your page to see which race that you're going to. Because, And I'm like, where the hell is she going this weekend? And the other person will be like, I think she said she was going to blah, blah, blah. And yeah, so we totally talk about you in a totally positive way, obviously in our group chat because we're just like cheering you on we want you to do well and somebody will be like did you see julie's post did you see that red loop at that race oh my god that looks horrible you know or whatever and you so race. we're also getting like all of the scoop yeah about all, and you know we've kind of picked your brain when we go on group runs too about which was your favorite and which would you do this time of year and yeah. so you know obviously you need to like i don't know if anybody's done this but someone who's immortal needs to sit down and like write a book about the different races and their race experience because I would totally buy that book and read it. That's really good. I never really thought about that. But yeah, that's right. I mean, like I'm I'm so I think the greatest thing too is that like I'm so in the moment when I'm there. Like it's like I am so 100 percent committed to when when I post that I woke up in the morning in my happy place and I have slept on a cot all night and I'm drinking my Ragnar made coffee and with all my Ragnar gear on. I mean, like I truly am in my happy place. Like, and you can tell. You can yeah, tell. Rainier, Rainier took that to like an exponential level. Rainier was like by far, it was the hardest race I've ever run. Mm -hmm. It was the most breathtaking scenery I have ever seen on a Ragnar. Mm -hmm. And I did Zion, you know what I mean? You would think, you know, my Zion pictures were great mm -hmm. and all, but really right, Rainier ate, Zion for breakfast. It was, there is something so, and what's crazy is I said that with, after I did Zion, I was like, you know what? I'm kind of done with that one. Like it was okay. Like the trails weren't great. I came home from Rainier and was like, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. When can I do it again? Like, wow. Just want to do, just want the experience again, yeah. because it was just so like I love all your pictures I love it ugh. when it's like soggy wet and you're yeah. standing in mud and I love it when you're on the top of a mountain and <laughs> I love them all still smiling still smiling yeah, still smiling, smiling. there's usually a lot of f-bombs that are like that are happening but usually still smiling yeah 
Yeah, they're great. So I, I love have, it. What do I have yet? Where do I have left to go? I have um Suburban Chase. That's easy peasy because that's here. Yeah. Um, so the funniest thing is that I go immortal in Arizona. It was supposed to be Florida uh, with the team you ran with last year. The ones that you camped next door. Yes, the Flockers. I am the immortal Flocker awesome. this year. Yep, Rhonda. So Rhonda is the one is amazing. With, that she is the one that helps women get on teams and stuff like that. So Rhonda, and she helps put up tents and she helps she feed does. and she helps. Yep. I get to all just show things. up and yeah, she does all the things. So um, what, what ended up happening was when I was at Michigan, Cece, the race director at the Michigan race said, are you doing Texas? And I'm like, no, she's like, well, that's my next one. She's like, you got to do Texas. I'm like, why do I got to do Texas? And she goes, uh, because there's a full solar eclipse. She's like, we have to give you glasses. And so I was like, um, done. So I oh. came immediately added on a 13th race because obviously if you're going to go immortal, you have to be there on Friday the 13th during a full solar eclipse. So, Holy crap. Yeah. So it's going to be incredible. It really is. So yeah. when, so you'll get your, you'll get your medal in December. I will get my medal. Yeah. I asked to get my medal in Florida because my, because Carlton and the kids are coming. To the <gasps> yeah. No. Yeah. That's going to be so they special. They worked just as hard as I did. Yes. Um, and they deserve it. So we are taking a whole weekend in Florida in December. Um, UPS was kind enough to let me off Yeah, because I'm not the busiest to- month of the year. I know I'm not supposed to take any time at all, but my boss was like, look, this is a big goal. You made this goal. You have to do these things. So, um, yeah, so I will get, I'll be officially get my medal in Florida, but I become immortal in Arizona. I'm so excited for you. That's amazing. Like all of that, like all of those things, but before you go to Arizona, before you do all of this, you still have to run Berlin. I still have to run Berlin, which is like, (laughs) yeah. So we there's no pressure. Kids. There's no pressure. I know, right? What's funny is that um so what's funny is that we also Carlton and I have never left the kids um for this period of time. We've only ever really left them overnight. We do not mm-hmm. have we don't have family help. So right. going on a big trip is not a thing, right? So my my in-laws who retired from the Air Force are coming to stay with the kids. We leave on Friday for Iceland. We will be in Iceland for three days. We go to Munich for three days for Oktoberfest. And then we go to Berlin. I run the marathon and then we come home. So, and we leave on our anniversary, which is even better because last year I was doing Reach the Beach on our oh, anniversary. anniversary. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like we get to actually celebrate our anniversary and we're celebrating it in Iceland. So that's awesome. Yeah. So it's really kind of a payday for Carlton too. He gets to, he gets to, he gets to enjoy it, enjoy yeah. some fun and some yeah. traveling for a little yeah. bit. That's so, awesome. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. I'm so freaking proud Thank of you. you. Like, I don't know how you do all of this with everything else you have. I mean, we all do, like, we all do lots of things. I get it. But this is a lot. So, and it's, you're still going, even though you're going to places, even though you're going to Ragnar, which you're familiar with, and you're going with people or, you know, people when you get there, it's still a new place. It's still a new trail. It's still, so a little bit of newness there that, could give some people some anxiety or fear you know and I just love that you embrace it all and you're just like okay I'm here we're gonna do this like well it was funny the girls that I did Rainier with it was an all-female team and I didn't know them I just knew three of them were from Chicago so I was like okay well I'm mm. our element 
could talk you know? about that all day. Yeah. So they come and pick me up. <laughs> I had no idea who they were. Actually, no, I, I, cause I flew in on a UPS jet. So like I took a, a air, I took a Uber to the Airbnb we were staying at. We went out to dinner and now it's really at the end of the Ragnar. Now I'm going to Chicago to go to a Bears game with one of them. So, I mean, it's just that it's that weird. Yeah. Like, and I yeah. do think the what in all seriousness, when you're, um, and I really do think it's like this, right? When you're stripped down to you're tired and you've, you've, you're, you're running and you're sweaty and you're not clean and you're around these people, there's a time during these races, it does not matter who you race with, where, where the rawness comes out, where mm, so vulnerable. These, yeah. These bonding moments with people, mm -hmm. um, where you get real, you have real conversations. It's not just the, the, the funny fun, you know, yeah. let's make up obnoxious team names. It's, you know, and I do, I think you bond, you really do. You, you form a bond with these people. Cause it's almost like you've gone to a mini war, you know what I mean? Yep. Or you're, you're, you're part of a team and you've fought a battle and you're, you know, so, you know, like, I think that, you know, I, I fully embrace that. Like, I love that piece of Ragnar. Like, I just, you get all of this, this different human element that is, and it sounds like, it probably sounds so completely cheesy, but it's just, there's something about it. Yeah, there is. I can't put my finger on it either. And I really didn't think I would ever do another one after the first one. And it just, something draws you back. And if you have the right, even if you don't have the right people, it's awesome. But if you have like that core group of people too, it's amazing. Like yeah. it's, it's hard to put into words. So when you were running on your treadmill, 20 years ago, were you thinking like, was this, would you, what would your old self say to your new self now about like where you're at and all the stuff you're doing? <laughs> I don't know that I would have ever believed it. Like I was, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, when I think about just where I was back then, I, you know, who I was back then, I, I don't know that I could have ever like fathomed it. You know what I mean? Like where I could feel comfortable in my own skin and, um, you know, be embrace the work in progress and, you know, like all these things that I probably like strived. So, you know, I wanted so badly, but did not ever think that I would have mm -hmm. the capability to, or the, you know, really the fortitude to stick with therapy and, you know, just all these different, you know, like really soul searching and, you know, getting to know myself on a, on a, you know, personal level, and then not only getting to know myself, but also being okay with who I am. I was gonna say, and liking yourself, like yeah, yeah, you're you're like I'm not too bad of a person. But <laughs> like, like me. Funny, I tell people this all the time because this this is the thing that is always like you know the, again I I get really like you know um, honest with people about my brain is not on my page. It's a mean brain. It still has a lot of very mean tendencies. And so the whole time I'm running, it is usually telling me, I don't need to be doing this. You don't need to be, we don't need to be doing this. I don't know why you're doing this. Hey, by the way, did you know your knee hurts? Oh, by the way, also too, I'm going to throw a hamstring in there just because you're not listening. And like the whole time I'm like, listen, okay, we've got this. We're okay. It's going to be fine. And um, I joke about trails because my brain is so busy trying not to die. Like it's trying not to, it's trying to keep me alive that it can't be mean to me. So the trail running is like opened up a whole nother, you know, like avenue for me because it's like, here's a rock, here's a stick, don't die, don't die, don't die. You know, instead of it being like, you know, we could stop doing this right now. Yeah. It's, it's too yeah. busy. 
you know, so no, that's a great point. Yeah. And I do think that it's important for people to know when you're on a mental health journey, that that brain may never stop being mean. You just have mm-hmm. to learn to accept that it's there. And just because the little guy comes across the stage holding a big sign doesn't mean you have to clap for him. No, you don't. You can just let him carry on. He I can just it. move on, move on by, mm-hmm. you know, and like, and, it, and you do, it's just like what they tell you about when you do a marathon and you, you like, everybody knows that you have aches and pains at certain times when you do your mm-hmm. training. And that's really key, right? Yep. Just because your brain says your knee hurts does not mean your knee really hurts. It wants that's you right. to stop running. And that's so right. it's the same thing with it being mean to you like and I know that sounds so like kind of schizophrenic that you you could treat your brain like it's separate entity but it really is a lot of times it really is yeah Yeah. and that is a big thing for me I have had to just accept it I just had to accept it and like you know treat it like it's this like a bump on my side that I just can't get rid of yeah I mean we do talk about that in mental toughness and you know getting through things where your body is perfectly capable, you know, it's really overcoming that mind barrier, whatever it is. And we all have different struggles, you know, in those moments that are really hard. And how do you, like you said, what's in your toolkit that you can bring out to kind of get over that mental hurdle, whatever it is. I remember Jeanette Dunlap telling me the same thing when I was running long distances, you know, she's like, if your knee starts hurting, okay, that's fine. Just do like a head to toe assessment while you're running and give it five minutes. And is it still hurting? Okay. Then maybe you need to walk for a minute or whatever, but just keep moving forward. You've got to get to the finish line for someone to look at your knee anyway. And she's like, nine times out of 10, it's going to go away. You know, just keep moving forward. And she's right. Every time it's all, (laughs) she's always been right. So it's just one of those mental things you have to push through. So I like your suggestion of the guy with the sign, you don't have to clap for him. Just let him keep moving across the stage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, well, and it's interesting, like that, you know, like when you, I think I'm not that person that has, I've met these runners, right. That have the thing where they can just shut it all down and just run. I am not that person. Mm-hmm. Every single ounce of like, like, so my fortitude says we should just keep going, but everything else is like, no, not really. You know, like, I don't have the, it's still that kind of quitter person. That's like, you know, you don't have to do this. And yeah. so I just, I, for me, every time I have a, a win, you know, it's just, it picks away at it just a little more. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, um, I'm somewhat, I like, I, I have a hamstring thing going on after Rainier and I've had to literally, st- I mean, I went out and ran with uh, Melissa Beth, like I did my 15 miler um, mm-hmm. last weekend with her and came out of that. And it was, I was a mess. My hamstring was a mess. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I guess it's like a hundred percent rest now. So I'm literally mm-hmm. going to go into Berlin without running for two weeks, but it's, you know what I mean? Like I have to trust my training. I have to right. trust it's going to be fine. And you know, so. Well, you trust your training and then you trust all of these things that you've learned running all of these Ragnars and all of the tricks and, you know, you're obviously able to run for a long time on no sleep you're able to run in the dark and not see, you know, like all of these things you're going to put together into a package and it's going to be great. And you're going to be in Berlin running. So like, okay, you already got your ticket there. You can do whatever you want once you get there. So, (laughs) 
and it's a good we did so going back to what you were saying about the shirt so like yeah the three of us it's funny so my two other friends um Ashley lives in Jacksonville Becky lives in Orlando and we are constantly we're like you with the talking uh -huh. you know the constant you know just checking in and support system and we all said after this training cycle, we were like, we just don't want to do, it's just, my heart's not into it. Like, you know, some people will say like, oh, but you're, you know, I've already got two stars down, go for the other four. And I'm like, oh my Lord, no, you know what I mean? <laughs> just, yeah. I would much rather do a half marathon and be able to enjoy a city afterward. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. And I, you know, yeah. Like when you go back to your mental, you know, like going back to your Thing about mental toolkit kit one of the biggest things that I've said to myself is can you hike for five hours okay well then you can run for five hours for sure there yeah. you go you know what yeah. I mean like it doesn't the mileage doesn't matter it's the time mm -hmm. on your feet that it's matters. the time mm -hmm. yeah and so yeah I mean I'm gonna do what I can and, and and if it's a slow marathon it's a slow marathon like you know guess what I'm getting my money's worth out of it right and you get your medal at the end so I get to go see Berlin and you know here you know the Go, run into the stadium and you know do the most yeah. get my get my medal which is all that really matters so I'm looking forward to seeing all of those pictures because yeah. it's gonna be a different perspective from your camera yeah. lens for a little yeah. bit and then I'll be waiting for you to go back to your Ragnar pictures yeah but I'm so excited for you it's a big year which you're going out with a bang so I just I'm in awe of you and um thinking about that and thinking about the podcast in, in itself, which we've touched on this a couple of times. Tell me when you hear the word Bammer, because that's what this podcast is about. What do you think of? Like what comes to your mind when you, when you hear someone tell you are Bammer or you tell someone else they're Bammer? What does that mean? For me, I think the biggest piece of that is, is facing fear. It's facing mm -hmm. fear. We all have fears. It's, it's getting in the, and I remember another really key thing that I learned in, in, you know, when you are doing anti-anxiety or not anti-anxiety, but learning to live with anxiety is that fear stands for feeling excited and ready. And if you can turn that, you understand the same meaning is like basically the feelings that you have when you're afraid are the same feelings you have when you're excited. Mm -hmm. So it's the same, it's, it's facing fears. It's understanding mm -hmm. what fear really is seeing, you know, acknowledging it and then still doing the thing. Yeah. Regardless of what that is. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously that's you and so many other women in our running group, I think just on different levels of whatever their, their fear is that they're facing. But, um, I did, I learned something new about you tonight and <laughs> I'm so glad that you came on the podcast because you're definitely a bammer and I'm so glad to call you a friend and a running friend. So we will all be cheering you on uh, for Berlin and for the rest of the year and keep us posted. And if you have any external social media that you want us to put in the show notes, let me know if people are going to follow your journey. I don't know if you want to do that or not, but we can post them in the show notes so people can sure. see how the rest of the year yeah. turns out. It's yeah, it's, it's not, it's not even close to over. <laughs> no, ma'am. You've got a little bit to go, but, yeah. and I know that you're packing and you're busy for Berlin. So I'm going to let you go, but be safe on your travels till Carlton to have fun too. Cause this is his trip too. And I can't wait to Thanks so much for having me. This was like super fun to talk. I know we normally we're, we're like trying to talk between like 50 other conversations with, I know. 
50 other women. And so, yeah, this has been really super fun. It's been great to see your face. I know. It's like, I can't wait. To, I mean, like there will be a whole recap after I get back. <laughs> so, okay. Yes. We'll have to do a second ep- podcast episode after December. Right. To hear more. So thanks a lot, Julie. I appreciate you so much. Thanks, Steph. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bluegrass Bammer podcast. If you like what you've heard, hit subscribe to the podcast so you can catch the next episode when it's live. Also, you can find me um, on my blog. That is bluegrassbammer.wordpress.com. Or you can follow me at Bluegrass Bammer on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. See you next time. And until then, happy running.